You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, good morning. Some of y'all are wearing Christmas stuff. I'm looking forward to spring. So I dress accordingly. So uh, a little chilly out there. And y'all enjoying the frost and stuff? Yeah, it's good times. Are y'all okay today? You all right? Okay, all right. Hey, listen, it's Christmas season, isn't it? As we talked about, someone said the hustle and bustle. It is that time I've, as I've matured, um, I have a tendency to say no to more things than when we were younger. When we were younger, Becky and I would say yes to everything. And then we would wake up on New Year's Day wondering why we were tired. Um, and it was because we had done everything. And we would take our kids in tow and all that different stuff. And now we just say, hey, listen, if we don't get to you this year, we'll get to you in the next generation at some point, maybe. But um, it's that time of the year. And so there's, there's a lot of great things about Christmas we, that you look forward to and think. And one of my favorite things is actually these newfangled things where people take pictures of their family and they send them to you. Any of y'all get those kind of Christmas cards? Yeah, you get them? Yeah. And so I know that started like in the 1900s, I think. But um, anyway, because now everybody posts them on Facebook and stuff. But every once in a while, you'll still get them, and we still get a lot. And, and one of our favorite ones are from, um, I was a student pastor in a former life. And um, so now we actually get some from people that are old enough to have kids, and some of them have grandkids. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that I'm old enough for that to happen. But um, they are. And um, I love to be able to see the different seasons and all that stuff. And I'm just, I'm actually, I'm jealous of most of the families because, like, their pictures, like, everybody's together for a moment. They're dressed alike, right? They all have on blue jeans shirts or white shirts or red stuff and all the different things or whatever. And everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy at one time. And you all got that for, like, 30 seconds. And it's like, this is the perfect family and you're like, man, I wish my family would act like that and be able to dress. Like, you can't even get them to dress up to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I feel like. And so I, that's that kind of moment. But anyway, we're in that season where you get all kinds of different cards and Christmas stuff and announcements. And we're just a world now that announces everything, aren't we? Like, you'll get an announcement for, hey, I'm engaged. You get an announcement for save the date. You know, and it could be like a year and a half. And I'm like, listen, I'm like trying to get through next week. And you're asking me to save a date in like 18 months. Good luck, right? Um, so the wedding announcements, you get these things now of pregnancy announcements. And it's like, so you can start budgeting so that you can help buy them a stroller or whatever they need or whatever. Um, or even now, like uh, the other day we got some, an announcement. It was a, a pre-birth announcement. So they sent us pictures of her fully with child, you know, almost about to burst, you know, like four basketballs ready to come out and, and I'm just like, I know how that happens. You know, I, I, I don't need to see the pictures of you doing that. And so please return to sender. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm glad I'm excited for you. But there's some things I just don't want you to announce to me. Send me the picture of your ugly baby that's got a cone head and that you put a thing on. And I'll say it's beautiful even though it's not. Like, I would rather do that, you know. But anyway, so thinking of announcements today, I want to talk about some birth announcements in Scripture. There's a pre-birth announcement of the Messiah in Micah chapter 5. And so we'll dig into that here in just a second. So if you have your Bibles, you can, you can find that. That's in the Old Testament. 
Um, it starts with M, A, B, C, D. It's in the M's. Anyway, you can look for it. And then we'll also look in Matthew and Luke and two announcements of birth there. And it's important. I think this Micah chapter 5 deal is that God sets not the date for the arrival of his son for himself, but he shows the people of the day. And even for us today, we can look back and see that God intimately plans out details and he knew exactly where he knew exactly when he knew exactly how and he shows us and he gives us some very good hints at when the messiah would be born and where he'd be born and, and what his role and identity will be so if you have your bible turn with in Micah chapter 5 starting in verse 2 it says this it'll show up on the screen too if you don't have your bibles but you O bethlehem of ephrathah anybody looking for a name for your child ephrathah is, is available okay are only a small village, you Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. However, or yet, a ruler of Israel, this is the city of David, okay? A ruler of Israel, David was born there, but another ruler, whose origins are in the distant past. So if, if this is the Messiah, the distant past is the beginning of time. He, he was there at the beginning of, of time, creation, he was there. Will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. In other words, the people will be in captivity until the woman gives birth. Then, at last, his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land. And he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. This is a prophetic word that the Messiah, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem and that he would be two things. He would be a king and he would also be a shepherd. That he would be born in Bethlehem and that he would establish his throne and he would establish a throne as a king. But he would be a king different from most other kings is that because he would be a shepherd king and that he would rule with kindness and generosity and grace and be born in Bethlehem. The birth announcement gives a sense to where he'd be born and even we look at prophecy whenever the three wise men show up they go back to this verse and show that hey the messiah is going to be born in bethlehem and that he would be return israel to its rightful place and the jewish people thought that that meant that he would physically be king but we understand now looking back that it's even different but that he would be under the house of david and under solomon and establish a rightful throne that he would be so strong and so righteous that he would bring the long-awaited peace that the people, had, people of Israel had been longing for. This pre-birth announcement gives a sense to the fact that the Son of God, a future king, would have a very exclusive audience. You would think that a king is making a pre-birth announcement that it's going to go to the royalties of the nations, right? That it's going to go to those that are of equalness to the king. And so, hey, it's going to go to the king of Saudi Arabia, the king of Israel, all these different kings. And so, hey, our baby is going to be, done, be born, and here's about the date. Begin to prepare your treasury for the gifts that you're going to bring to this king. But as we'll see, this shepherd king, his announcement was a little different. God's birth announcement brings Jesus' mission and to focus. If you ever notice on these new camera phone things, that when you put it up and you begin to take a picture, there's this little yellow box that kind of shows up. And it's, it's trying to find what you're focusing in on. And, and whenever it finds it and you agree with the camera that that's what you're focusing in on, then it'll kind of stop and freeze. And it will 
maybe sometimes blur everything else out so that that one thing or that one person can be the center of attention and clearly focused. And you can know when you take the picture that that's the thing that you're taking a picture of. That's what Jesus is doing here. That's what God the Father is doing here in Micah. He's drawing a focus for us that the mission and purpose of Jesus is King Shepherd. And that it's to bring all people, all of the cosmos to salvation and for everyone to experience peace. And not just peace as a nation, but that peace that would reign in our hearts and our souls and in minds for all people. It's not bound by the confines of a boundary because we can even see today that peace is not reigning around the world. But if you are in Christ, you can have peace. That the world can be crumbling around you, but because of Christ and Christ in you, he's settling in and making a home. He's making your home, your heart, a place of peace and of joy. So the pre-birth announcement says there's going to be a babe born in Bethlehem. And all the prophecies lead and point to this young man that's going to be a king shepherd that will bring peace and joy to our hearts. There's a birth announcement in Matthew chapter 2, we see in Micah that there's going to be two things. One, he's going to be a king and he's going to be a shepherd. And so in the New Testament, we see two of those announcements made. One is about his kingship in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now, King Herod, one of the reasons we're talking about the, you saw the picture of the Grinch today, because the perfect historical expression of the Grinch is King Herod. King Herod was the ruler of the Jews of the day. Under Roman rule, they allowed King Herod to have rule over Jerusalem and around the area of Israel. And he was not a nice guy. As a matter of fact, the older he got, the crankier he got. Y'all know some people like that? All right. And so he got cranky, but he's king. And so he got nervous. And so every time he thought or he heard some rumors that someone was after his throne, he would have them taken care of. Even his own family. He took care of a wife and some of his children because the rumor was, hey, they were envying and they were wanting, they were planning because he had 12 wives. And so one wife and her sons were planning for how they were going to take over the throne when Herod died one day. And he heard about it and he says, you're a little too excited to take over the throne. And so he took them out. He was a little crazy. Okay. So King Herod is the leader. And so about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Because this is what you would naturally think, that the king, the future king, is born in the house of the current king. And so you go knock on his, the king, current king's door. Now, King Herod, he's a little crazy. He's already taken out people who want his crown. And now here comes some, some wise men from the eastern lands, and they knock on the front door and say, hey, we're here to visit the future king. And he's like... I haven't heard there's going to be a future king coming about our house yet. I haven't made those plans. As a matter of fact, he tweets 11 of his wives because one's gone. He tweets them and says, hey, do you all have some news to tell me? And so they all report back, no. He's like, okay. So he's a little disturbed by what's going on, by what he hears. They arrive in Jerusalem and they're asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this here's the next part which is interesting to me is as was everyone else in jerusalem because they knew king herod so they knew hey this is if he's disturbed then it's going to upset our life 
And so some of this is the religious people and the political leaders. They've hitched their wagons to Herod. And so they know that he's jealous. He's going to be, he's taken out people before that they think are going to take over his, his throne. And so he's anybody that's attached and they think any rumors possibly he's going to be taking them out. Family included, he's going to get you if he thinks that you're after his throne. So everyone's a little disturbed at this moment. So he calls a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asks them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they quote Micah 5 too. In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men. He knows where he's going to be born, and he's in Bethlehem, and he says, called them up, the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the first star appeared. So they began to say, hey, so you, you've come from a quite a ways to here, and you've knocked on my door asking for the king, and, and I can tell you that he's in Bethlehem, but how long have you been traveling? How long have you been on this journey? And from that, we can see a little bit later on, it's two years at least, that they've been studying, they've been listening to God, and God has been revealing himself. And then the star arises, and they begin the journey to Jerusalem and eventually to Bethlehem. Well, that's important to know that there's two years. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. And after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided into Bethlehem. Now, this is an interesting thing because God, I believe God's in control and he's always in control and he can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And so he takes religious leaders who are not Jewish people, who are not followers of Yahweh in lands far away and reveals himself to them in such a way that they gather some of their wealth and their riches and they make a long journey following the star. And it would seem that at some point, if the star was really doing its work and guided by God and God knew who Herod was and Herod's potential, that he would go around Jerusalem to Bethlehem. But God, it seems like maybe he just turned out the star for a little bit. And they said, hey, well, where's the king going to They enter into Israel. And they're like, well, where should the king be born? We're like, surely King Herod's house. It's going to be his kid. And so that's why they knock on his door. I mean, right, if, if I was God, I would go around Jerusalem. But God says, listen, I, I'm going to stir this up. I want the king who thinks he's king to know that the king of kings isn't coming from his house. He's coming from my house. And so he goes to Jerusalem and kind of stirs it up and does what only God can do and, and why he wants to do it. I, I don't understand fully, but he does it. And so then the star appears again and they follow it. Listen to this. And it went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. So the light goes out, they go to Jerusalem, it comes back on. And then boom. Boom. Over the very house that Jesus is in. And I, I'm just imagining it's like, like big old searchlights, everything's on. It's like, this is the house. Without a shadow of a doubt, this is the place. And so they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Again, these are people that are from foreign lands that haven't been worshiping Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, the God of. God the Father, Jesus, they've been drawn here and they bow down and they worship 
And then they opened up their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so we understand of where they're from because of that. They're in what's currently today would be Yemen or Saudi Arabia. And so they brought these gifts um, to Jesus and they put them before him. And, and there's, you know, there's different things of like the gold means this and the frankincense means this and the myrrh means this. Who, who knows? We don't know. It's, it's great preaching, but it may or may not be true. Okay. What does mean is that these gifts come and God's intimately involved in the details of our lives, but also in Jesus's life. And so even though he's created this disturbance, God has created this disturbance in Herod's house and some stuff, crazy stuff's going to happen. God provides what Jesus's family needs to escape to Egypt for a little bit because they're going to need money. Remember, Mary and Joseph are poor and Joseph's going to get a dream that, hey, you need to get out of here because King Herod is highly disturbed and he's going to be doing something, some evil stuff, and you need to get out of town. And the only way to get out of town in those days is you've got money. And so these guys from a far land bring a treasure chest of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so when they go to Egypt to the south, they have what they need to get away and to find protection and safety for that season. God provides. He's prepared far in advance. So when it was time to leave, these wise men, they returned to the other country, to their own country by another route or route, depending on where you're from. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now the Magi were religious leaders that were serving in other courts in the southern Arabia. They were students of magic. They were students of astrology. They were students of religious texts. They were, they were learning a little bit of everything, including the Torah. The Jewish people had been down in that area, and so there's, there's evidence that there were texts even back then. And so God revealed to them, and they were drawn to the east from Jerusalem. And again, the natural place they would think would be King Herod's place. But they end up in this small house in Bethlehem. You imagine the little place that's got Mary and Joseph and there's a manger and there's this baby and there's some cows and there's some different stuff. And it's just a regular person's house. And they're like, we went to the king's house, but here we are at a regular person's house. And they say, this is going to be the king. Can you imagine for them when they're going back on their journey, they're just pondering, how's this guy going to be king? How in the world is he going to be king? Now, you understand that their journey had been a while, so Jesus is no longer a baby in a manger. He's a toddler, so Mary and Joseph were in the terrible twos of Jesus. I don't know what that would be like, but he's in the twos. And so um, what we understand is Mary and Joseph, he just, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and uh, they did their little thing. And then they went to Nazareth and regathered because there was more opportunity for Joseph to make money and to be a stonemason in Bethlehem. It was a bigger city. Things were growing. Nazareth was a small podunk town and not much was happening there. So Mary and Joseph established himself in Bethlehem and over the two years. And so here come the wise men and they bow down and they worship Jesus. The first birth announcement shows us that Jesus, the king, is going to be worshiped from all over the world, that he will draw men unto himself, even men and women who are not intentionally seeking him out. He will draw them unto him. The second birth announcement is in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 and following. It shows that the future king will care for his people like a good shepherd. Now, a shepherd in those days was one that he would call his sheep into the pen every single night, and he would call them by name. 
He knew all of his sheep by name, and he would call them into the pen, and he would care for them. And he knows that his sheep, as they're going about the day, that they would have been potentially injured, they could have been hurt, there's pests that could have infected them. And so every time that they come in for the night, the shepherd, a good shepherd, stops his sheep and would inspect them. He would pull back the wool, and he would look and see, are there any pests? He'd pull the pests out, chick, uh, what do we call those things? Ticks and chiggers looking for all these different kinds of things, right? Because you're pulling those things out. He would also look and see if there's injuries. So the passage says, anoint them with oil, right? So there's healing. And when healing also means sometimes that stuff hurts. Your mom ever put something on you and they, oh, it burns and it's, you know, the burning is healing. Well, we hope, right? The burning is healing. And so a good shepherd, a king, that's a good shepherd, cares for his people like a shepherd. He calls them into the place. They can only come and go by his, by his strength, by his wisdom, by his calling. And so that whenever the sheep come into the pen at night, he's inspecting them and caring for them and providing the healing stuff so that the sheep can rest. Because if you have pests that are chiggers and ticks crawling around, you can't rest. If you have an injury that hasn't been cared for, you cannot rest. Some of you have had a cough. Some of you have had the flu. Some of you have had COVID, whatever. And guess what? You don't get to rest very much, do you? Oh, you guys do. Y'all have really good drugs. That's awesome. Pass those around. Not only do you not get to rest, but the people around you, if you're coughing really good, they don't get to rest either, right? And so a good shepherd does what's necessary so that when his sheep come into the pen, they can rest in the evening so that they can be to the fulfillment and the full capacity of energy the next day. Here Jesus is a king shepherd. He cares for his people. He rules over all of the lands, but he brings us home by name at night and cares intimately for the details of us to bring healing and life and rest and peace. So that we can have joy. Luke 2, chapter 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Do we have that picture? Can we throw that picture up? I know it's out of order. Give me that other one. There we go. This is literally there. Okay, we're standing on a mountain and we're looking down on a hill in Bethlehem. And so the sheep are down in the valley. All right. And then go back to the next one. And this is right there next to it. So this is a cave. This is what they probably would have lived in in those days. And so when you think of a house, when you think of a place, a lot of times in Bethlehem and in Israel, they would have caves, natural caves, and they would dig them out a little bit more and they would build onto them. So they would have, they already had natural um, place of habitat and they're poor. So they're going to make the best out of what they've got. And so imagine Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem and they're going to a place like this. That has a front to it so they can come and go as a door and the family would come in. And so here's these shepherds off in the field and there's a cave nearby. All right. So the shepherds are doing their thing. So that's your story. The night the shepherds were staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded Surrounded them. That word glory is Shekinah glory. It's the same glory that Moses saw on the mountain whenever Moses met with God. God showed up and the glory of God showed on Moses' face. That's the same word there. And so these guys understood that the God of Moses that showed up on the mountain is showing up to them. So suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surround them. And I think like most of us, they were terrified. 
because they're in the presence of God. There's an awe, a reverence. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. That's the gospel. I bring you good news that there's a shepherd king that will bring peace to you and bring great joy to all people. The rich, the wealthy, even the shepherd boys. The Savior Savior is where we get our word salvation. So they're saying your salvation, yes, the Meshua, the Christ, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You have to understand, now, the shepherds are on the low man on the totem pole as far as society goes. Even today, when you're driving along in Israel, the, the guys will even say, hey, those are Bedouins. Those are the shepherds. They are known as thieves. They do what they can do to survive. They don't even go to school because if they go to school, they'll be made fun of. They're just, it's just this whole social caste that we don't understand, and it still continues today. And so... The shepherds of that day were even known so well as thieves, they couldn't be in the courts of the day as witnesses. So they couldn't even go into the court and be a witness to, hey, they saw this or whatever. They're like, hey, listen, you, you're, you're just a thief. You're a shepherd. You're not even allowed in the court. They couldn't be a witness, a legal witness. And so it's interesting to think that God the Father chose shepherds, the guys who didn't qualify to be a witness in the legal courts, they get to be the first witnesses to the shepherd king. That, that's the good news. That's the gospel. Is it doesn't matter what your identity is and what the world says about you. What God says about you is what matters. And God says all of us, the entire cosmos, can receive the shepherd king. And so here the shepherd king in the presence of God, which obviously shocked them to begin with. And then he says, you will recognize the Messiah, your salvation, your Lord, by this sign. Now, see, what they're thinking is it's, it's a king, so we got to go to King Herod's house. Do they want to go to King Herod's house? No. Number one, they're not even qualified to be in court, so why would they be qualified to go to the king's place? So that's what they're thinking in their minds. And then here's what the angel says. Here's the sign. You will find a baby... Wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And they got to be thinking, well, hold on, hold on a second. You're, you're telling me he's a king, he's wealthy, he's the salvation, he's the Messiah, he's the Christ, he's the Lord. We should be going to Herod's place, and you're telling me I'll recognize him because he's going to be like all the other peasant babies? He's going to be wrapped up in strips, and in those days, even still today, they'll wrap up their babies in strips and so once the baby is born, they'll clean him up and they will use salt and clean up the baby to help clean up and preserve and, and do some healing and wrap them up snugly. And then they would lay the baby, usually in a, in a, in a place like a little uh, bassinet or whatever they had in the day, but Jesus is laying in a manger. Now a manger is like in one of those cave things. They had the house, and you would walk into the house, and you would open up the door, and it, there in front of you was kind of the stable. So that's where the sheep, if you had a cow, or if you had some goats, that would kind of be there. So that's kind of a dirty. And then you would take two or three steps up into the main living area where most of the family lived. 
And so they would eat their dinners. They would eat and sleep and do everything right there in that room. And in that great room, it would kind of tilt from one end down to the other. So as you walk up the steps, you're kind of walking up the house, just a slight slope. Why? Because that's also where the animals were hanging out at night. So as you're sleeping, you're hearing the cows low, you're hearing the sheep, you're hearing whatever animal noises, baby noises that are going on, right? And so because those things are of great worth and great value, you're not going to leave them out. You've got to bring the things that are of worth and value into the house so you can keep watch over them. And so they're in this house with the cows and the sheep and a manger would be at the, the low end. So as you walk up the steps and you look to your left, there would be mangers and the mangers would have been chiseled out of the stone, chiseled out of the rock. And that's where the cows would have eaten. They would have had hay. They would have feed there. And then they would have some of these. You've seen churches have baby Jesus in mangers, these wooden troughs. And those would be like for the sheep and some of the smaller animals. But Jesus would have been laid in a manger in the ground. And so these shepherds are thinking, hey, we're going to the king's house And they're told, no, listen, you're going to recognize the future king of kings and lord of lords. Your salvation, your king shepherd won't be at King Herod's house. It's going to be in a manger in a peasant's house. And it's it's not even his house. It's a friend of Joseph's house. So they show up and they see a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly... The angel was joined by a vast host of others. So you see, one, one angel had showed up and kind of give him this thing, and then all of a sudden, boom, sh- there's an army. When it says vast, it means it's army. It's a stratia. An entire legion of angels, an army of angels show up, and what do they do? They begin to sing. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Angels. God is pleased with you. Shepherds, God is pleased with you. When the angels have returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, I think this is one of the most understated statements in all of Scripture, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, (laughs) which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, The shepherds who were unqualified to legally appear in court as witnesses, they're the first ones to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The shepherds told everyone what had happened and the angel, what the angel had said to them about this child. And all the shepherds story, everyone who heard it was astonished. And here's the cool thing. Luke, most of we understand that Luke was He wrote it, but it was heavily influenced by Mary. He's getting some of these stories by Mary. So listen to verse 19 in that context and understanding. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Can you imagine? She's 13, 14. Already an angel has showed up and said, hey, listen, I know you got plans for your life. We're going to change them a little bit. You're going to conceive a child you're going to give birth to the son of god and it's going to change the trajectory of your life and i know that's not kind of what you plan but it's going to be and i know people are going to really question the validity of, of what you're saying but but just just trust me on this and then joseph's like I, I don't know you know everybody's going to talk about us and next thing you know they end up in bethlehem and there's this child born and then these shepherds show up and hey listen these angels showed up to us down there in the valley and said hey 
We're going to see the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our salvation, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. He's going to be wrapped up just like all the other peasant babies, but he's going to be laying in a manger. Is your name Joseph and Mary? Yeah, this is the kid. Now, I get, maybe they check the tag, the hospital tag. And, says, hey. and Mary's thinking, oh, my goodness. And this was before the Magi show up. Can you imagine two years later and the Magi show up and they show up at your door and you're like, clunk. It's Texas lottery. You're the winner. You're the $5 billion winner. And they're thinking, oh, my goodness. And it says, Scripture, that Mary treasured these things in her heart. My question for us, for 2,000 years, every single Christmas, we replay the birth announcement over and over and over again. And my question is, is that you've received the birth announcement. Is it something that's just on your fridge and you walk by it and you're like, that's cool. I've heard that before. Or is it a birth announcement that you look at and you stop and like Mary, you treasure it in your heart. And you're like, there's something different about this shepherd king. This shepherd king that was lying in a manger like a peasant, I've encountered him and he has changed my life. And I can now have joy that passes all understanding. I can have peace amidst the craziness of life, the that it doesn't matter whether I live in Saudi Arabia or if in Israel or LaGrange, Texas. The shepherd king didn't come to establish his reign in any specific country or any specific nation. He came to establish his rule and his reign in your heart. Your heart that's not even qualified to give testimony in the legal court of God. Has been qualified by the birth announcement of Jesus. Your salvation, your Messiah, your Lord for you. My prayer is this Christmas. It's not just another time of songs and wrapping presents. But that maybe even as this week, you get an announcement from a family for Christmas. Hey, they're all great, whatever. And be reminded of the greatest birth announcement and Christmas card ever presented. That made wise men from afar. Come and bow down and throw all of their treasures before him. Let's pray together. Father, may we not take for granted the Christmas story. Father, for many of us as Americans, it's been on our minds since October when the stores put it out and started playing Christmas music intermingled with Halloween wraps or whatever. That Father, that Christmas has become so commercial that we forget that it's about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Lord, that there are people that put up Christmas trees that are symbolic of everlasting life and eternal life and they don't even know where that eternal life comes from. Father, that they light the lights on a Christmas tree and don't even know that that is symbolic of the light of the world, which is you. Father, I pray that this Christmas season, we would not step back from our responsibility to be 
sharers of the birth announcement. Father, we may feel unqualified or we may not feel like we know enough, but Father, if we've met the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger, we know enough. If the shepherds could tell their story and people believe, surely we can tell our encounter with the Jesus, the shepherd king. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.